Alvar Walner Carrion is a 2D animator and illustrator who has worked abroad but whose home base and native city is Valencia, Spain. Alvaro chose to follow his love for animation, studying fine arts at the Polytechnic University of Valencia. After two years studying traditional art, he moved to London on Erasmus, where he fell in love with doing 2D animation. He talks about life in Valencia in more detail and contrasts it to his experience studying in London, as well as what Spanish education is like in general. In addition to sharing his experience working in the industry and some helpful advice, Alvaro has worked for a number of animation studios and contributed to many well-known television programs. Listen to this episode to discover more about animation, learn about life in Valencia and Spain, and find out more interesting facts about the animation industry. Enjoy! Hello Alvaro, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. For the beginning, can you please introduce yourself? So I am a 2D animator that has experience mostly on series, cartoons. I have a background where I studied fine arts and then I moved to animation. And I've been like working for a couple of years already, started as a freelancer, then moved to work with companies inside and outside Spain. Are you currently based in Spain? Yeah, right now I'm living in Valencia, that is where I grew up. And then you moved or you studied at London? I did study in Middlesex my Erasmus year. I studied fine arts in Valencia and then I moved to Middlesex in 2017. And I did there my Erasmus year. Yeah, it was really fun. Was it? Was it yeah, because yeah. of university or because of London or in what way? I think mostly because it was the first time that I was actually living alone. I studied in the same university, I mean, the university of the city where I grew up. So I didn't have the necessity of renting a flat or anything. So when I moved to London, it was just this whole freedom of being by yourself. And also like the university was very different from the one in Spain. So for me, I remember it was like a really, really great time. And how did you find different culture? I don't think the culture was such a huge difference. I mean, the context was very different because I was like living in a dorm full of other Erasmus people. Was it like in halls? Yeah, it was called Ivy Hall, I think. Yes. The name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most people were European, so I feel like the culture was very similar. But at the same time, it was really cool to meet people from other parts of Europe, such as like Slovenia, Finland, Poland. And if you compare with the university in Valencia, were there also international students or probably not that many, but were there still some? Yeah, in Valencia, we had international students too, but they were a minority. And I think that in Middlesex, I don't know if you agree because you also studied there, right? Yes. In Middlesex, either people that go there on Erasmus programs, well, I don't know if they do Erasmus programs now with the Brexit, but other than Erasmus programs, there's a lot of people that are not actually from the UK studying there all the years. So it feels like everybody's from a different place and it's just like a really cool place to meet people from mostly Europe, but also from places like Asia and everywhere. Yeah, I definitely agree because the course I went to, it was film and it wasn't Erasmus, it was a regular three-year course. Mm. And I would say more than half of students was definitely outside of UK. And I think actually there were quite a few people from Spain or Portugal. There were quite a few from Portugal, which is just next to Spain. So I remember that, yeah. Yeah, in my year also there were like at least six people from Portugal. So I don't know if they were actually like majority or... You know, I don't really remember, but yeah, there were so many people from Portugal. And that's funny being like such a small country, you know? Yeah. And were there any classmates from Spain as well? Not in my year, but on my dorm, I was actually sharing with one girl from Valencia. Was it coincidence? Like... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was studying law there and I was studying animation. And I also met like two other girls that were also from Valencia. So I think most of the people that were on Erasmus on Middlesex, from Spain were from Valencia because I guess like universities have this relationship between them. But yeah, it was people from everywhere. Can you introduce Valencia a bit to us? Since the audience is probably primarily from UK or London, and not everyone knows much about the city. Can you say a bit was the population where it is located and something about the city? Yeah, okay. So Valencia is actually like, I think the third biggest city in Spain. And it's located on the south of Barcelona, 
let's say, I think like around 400 kilometers on the south. It's more or less at the same height. If you see the map, at the same place as Madrid, but just on the east coast. It's like a city that has a lot of tourism. And also, like, I feel personally it has good balance between being a big city, but also, like, not being, like, too big. Like, when I went yep. to London, I felt like it was a great place to be there, you know, on Erasmus, being young, exploring, like, having, like, just too many places to see and too many people to meet. But I don't think it has the best quality of life in terms of everything's super far, you, rent is super expensive. It doesn't really feel that much welcoming to me. Valencia, for example, you can take the bike to go everywhere and it's not too big. So even if you live in the outside, you can be in the center in 20 minutes by bike. Oh, that's and great. Yeah, that for me is a big plus because I'm like a bike guy. So yeah, it's great. And I guess the weather is warm most of the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very warm. I mean, I would say now it's perfect, but I think soon, like let's say like in one month or something is going to start to get too hot. It usually goes from May, June until like September or even further. I think the best time to visit, if anyone is going to come, is around, I would say like it's either winter or spring yeah. for me personally. And is it very touristic place? Yeah, I mean, it's touristic, but I think it's not as touristic as Barcelona. I mean, for sure, it's not as touristic as Barcelona. And there are also like other towns that are smaller, but they are more touristic, like Alicante or something like that, you know? When yeah. I was living in Ireland and I was checking flights to go back to Valencia, I saw that flights went from Dublin to Valencia like every three days, four days, but they had flights every single day to Alicante. And that's kind of funny because like a smaller town, you wouldn't expect that it would be like super crowded. But Alicante is just like on the south of Valencia. What is so popular about Alicante? I have no idea. I think just historically, it has been like a very touristic place. Also, it's near the sea. So it has like all the checks, you know, for tourists to come. And it's very, very touristified. Not only Alicante City, but the region. You know, we have Benidorm and other places, you know, that are also like very, very touristified. And I honestly don't know the history about it. I just know I just, you know. I was born and there were tourists there already, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. No, but Valencia sounds like a nice place to visit, not gonna lie. So since you've got experience from studying in London as well as Valencia, can you compare the universities? What are the similarities? What are the differences? Because probably most of the audience doesn't have the experience from studying in Spain. Yeah, the objective difference is that in Valencia, we have four years of study in fine arts. First two years, you have all the subjects are compulsory and they are traditional drawing, traditional painting, a sculpture, and then you have some subjects that are art history related, that are a bit theoretical, and then you have other subjects that are technology related. Let's say they show you how to use Photoshop, how to use Premiere, and so on, and on a very basic level. Then on the third and fourth year, you can choose to go on Erasmus, or if you decide to study there, to keep studying in Valencia, you can choose. You have different subjects and they go like all directions. Compared to other universities in Spain, I think it's like a really good university because it has this, it embraces technology. So you can study animation there. You can have subjects in design, but also like subjects in contemporary art. You can just learn to do installations, contemporary sculptures or oil portrait painting, you know, everything in between. Also film studies and something more theoretical. And then university in London, when I was there, it was much more focused. They have animation course, 3D animation course. Everything is super divided. Well, not course, like degree. All that it could be like one subject or two subjects in Valencia, you have like a degree there, which I think is great if you already have a very clear idea of what you want to do. And that would be like mostly the differences between the both universities. But I think that all the differences that I would like to mention is that In Middlesex, we had, let's say, like a room for working that you could be there just the whole time and you could like develop your projects there. And that for me was a huge plus because I really, really like to work there. Whether in Valencia, you go to the class and then you do like stuff there, you know, it was like very practical. So you were painting there and stuff. But if you wanted to continue doing something after class, then you could book a class. But most of the people, we just went back home and just did our projects there. And also like Middlesex had more resources had like this room full of computers, you could rent cameras, you could do all of this stuff. I think Valencia is more limited, but we also have to say that Valencia University, well, to be specific, was like the Polytechnical University of Valencia, because there are two. 
Valencia's the Green Fine Arts has just so many people. We were like, I don't really remember, but maybe like five classes of 50 people each. And that would be for one year. So why is that so popular? Are there so many people interested in art or is the course or university somehow well known? I mean, I think the university has good reputation. I think that a lot of people from other parts of near Valencia and also from maybe the south of Spain or other places, I have seen people coming to study here. I think we have like really big universities in Valencia, you know. We have like less degrees, of course. So you will have to count everybody that studied 3D animation, animation, fine arts, design, illustration. You have to take all of them in Middlesex and put them in the same degree. So mm -hmm. then you could compare. It's like a big university. It has like a huge campus in Valencia. And Middlesex, when I went there, it felt like a bit cozy. You know, you basically saw everybody. Yeah. So if you sum up university at Middlesex, was it a good experience for you? Is it something that you would recommend to people to try if they can? Yeah, 100%. I had a great time and I really took profit of it. I kind of felt like, because I studied for free. You also have to say this, like you study for free in Valencia, mostly. Oh yeah, I was like, going to ask that. That's yeah. a good point. Because when I went to Middlesex, my parents had to pay the accommodation. I kind of felt like I couldn't just like waste the time, you know? I felt like a bit responsible. So I think I really found like I was in a sweet spot there, you know? I was working a lot, but I was also like enjoying the time on the weekends, you know, and visiting places and stuff. You probably have some knowledge, but in the UK you have to pay for the university and it's not cheap. I don't know what it's like now after Brexit, but when I went there, it's quite a lot of money. So my question was if you have to pay for it in Spain in general or in Valencia, or what is it like in there? So university here is not free, but it's super cheap compared to how it is there because it's mostly paid through taxes. I don't like to say it's free because it's not really free. Like you're going to be paying it if you work here. But my year could be like 1,200, 1,400. I don't really remember. Plus, you have all these scholarships that you can apply to. I don't really know what the requirements are, you know, but you just applied for the scholarship and if they think you need it, you just won't have to pay and they also will pay you like a small amount so you can buy supplies and stuff like that. In Middlesex, it's not a public university. Well, I don't really know how it works there, you know, but it's very expensive. Like I think my year was 12,000 euros every year or something like that. It is expensive, yeah. It's public, but I guess that's just how universities work in the UK that you have to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was public or not because I remember like taking it back then. Yeah, I mean, like the difference is huge. And also a big pro, if you go on Erasmus and you go, I mean, I don't know if you can now go to Erasmus in the UK, but, or there's like something different program maybe, but I didn't have to pay the university there. You pay the university where you are let's say, base or where you studied before, you know, like the University of Valencia. So still had to pay like accommodation, but I think it was like that like you can really take profit of whole year studying there, you know? Yeah. And what was the reason in the first place why we chose London or UK or the specific university? So actually my first option was Estonia, you know? Oh, wow. I didn't expect yeah. that. Yeah. And you know why? Because they have a really, I mean... Animation has a couple of words. I wouldn't say prestigious, you know, like everybody's going to know about it. But they have like a really cool animation university in Estonia. Is it Don't quite Italian? remember the name now. Yes. They have these teachers, Brit Parn, Olga Parn, that they have like, there's quite a tradition of animation in Estonia. And I think also like in Czech Republic for sure. And Is it in Fasamov? The town, you mean? No, because I'm from Czech Republic and I spoke with someone who studies at FAMU, which is film university well known in Prague. So just wondering if the animation course is in that university as well, or if it's different one. Uh, I have no idea about Czech Republic. I just studied a bit here and there about the history of animation there. Okay, okay, yeah. But I, I know that I wanted to go to Tallinn when I was going to Erasmus, and that was my first option. Someone had like better grades or something, he just went there. And my second option was London. I remember I saw the website of Middlesex, it looked like, looked like a really cool place, you know, and also... It was a completely different thing, you know. I was going to go to Tallinn. That probably, I have never been, but probably looks like a small place, not a lot of, let's say, social life or something. Who knows, maybe I'll be surprised. But. And London was like this huge city full of things to do and, and all of that. But I really don't regret it at all that I went there. Yeah. 
And did you say you didn't get into talent because of grades or what was the reason? Well, they had like this system, it depends on your level of English, depend on, I think also like your grades or something. Like now I really can't remember because it's like so many years. They just had this system of points. Like if you have this amount of that, you have more points and that's it. So yeah, that makes sense. So can you tell us more about your beginnings before you started at university? Did you study animation at school before or actually how does it work with schools at Spain? Yeah, so I think until you are 16, you just do the same as everyone. You just go to high school, primary school. Then you have two paths. You can choose the path to go to uni or you can try to do something that is more technical education. It's more practical stuff, the alternative to uni, let's say. And if you decide to go to uni, I mean, you can go to uni, like even if you choose this technical path, but if you go to uni, most people will do at least two years of uni preparation. That is basically like high school 2.0. But then you can already specialize and I studied the art one. So I had subjects just like language, English, some science stuff. But we also had subjects that were like drawing, traditional drawing or technical drawing. Yeah, like related like to art. Yeah, maybe they had like three subjects that were like a bit specific. After that, you do like the exam to go to uni, which is this giant exam that everybody goes there, everybody's like crying and everybody's super stressed about it. But because I already had in mind that I wanted to do fine arts, you didn't need to have super great grades to go there, you know? I mean, I wasn't nervous. And yeah, like when these exams are, you also have general subjects, you know, like language and stuff. You can't get away of that. So mm -hmm. you have to do that. But you also have some other exams that are like what you have studied during these years, like traditional drawing and stuff. Then you get a mark. With that mark, you can try to see if you can get in this uni or in this other uni. I don't know. How does it work in Czech Republic? I guess it's kind of similar. You finish high school, which is either three or four years. And then you can go to university, you need to apply for it. But at the end of high school, in the fourth year, it's kind of similar, as you said, there is this really big exam that people are stressed about. It's like a finish of those four years. And if you finish it, it's up to you. If you want to go to uni, obviously you need to pass that exam and you need to do some application. Then you go to uni and it's three years bachelor's or four years postgraduate. Yeah, and that's it. Some people go to unis, some people don't go to unis. But the difference is that in Czech Republic, unis are for free. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, you have to pay for it. That's a little disadvantage. But at the same time, I feel like that in the UK, because I studied film, I feel like that all the subjects in the course that I did were related to film that were actually helpful for what I was studying. Whereas in Czech Republic, you still study other subjects that are not really that necessary. More, I would more theoretical, maybe. Yeah, probably as well. I mean, I haven't studied at university in Czech Republic, but that's what I know, that you still study these subjects that I wouldn't really find necessary or too helpful. Yeah. It doesn't go to the point, right? Yeah. Oh, you mean like in general, they teach you more of this basic stuff, you know, I like, think so. like a really strong foundation, right? Yeah. The point I'm trying to describe is that in the UK, I feel like that you are more focused on it, that yes, yes. you go to uni and you actually study what you want, whereas I think in Czech Republic, you still study some general stuff that is not that helpful, I would say. Yeah, I, no, I agree 100%. It but feels... I may be wrong from someone who studies there, but that's what I think, and that's based on my knowledge, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely also like a difference that, that I also found. Here you had these two years that were just traditional drawing and painting, you know, so you learn how to do oil painting, you learn how to even like build a frame for the oil painting and how to put like imprimation. I don't know how to say it in English, but it's, you know, like this material that you put before you actually start applying the oil. So it's very like traditional. You are in the 19th century and you're learning even like how to make this thing, you know, and you have to buy this weird produce that is kind of like rabbit tail and stuff like that. It's not actually a rabbit tail, okay, but it's called something like that. And you have to boil them and you have to make like a potion kind of, and then you have to put it on the frame, you know, like not on the frame, but on the textile to make it ready to be painted. Mm -hmm. And that all happens like, in the first two years. It's like a history like, class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Harry Potter, but for painting. <laughs> like, and yeah, in London, it's just straight to the point. You go there first year, you don't 
Maybe you have never drawn in your life. You just go straight into animation, you know? I mean, you have drawing classes there, but it's super straight to the point. Yeah, I think I agree with what you said. I feel the similar or the same about what is it like in my country. Yeah. So by now you finished your education, right? Yeah, yeah. I finished like four years and something ago, but it just feels like a different part of my life completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So before we move on from the topic of university, can you share some tips for people who are studying at university, how to take advantage of their years there or how to benefit from it? Yeah. I mean, I think everything nails down to the attitude. First of all, university is going to be like one of the few places where you're going to be like super free. I mean, depends on what you study, but usually if you have to do your, like your own projects, you're going to have so much freedom to approach in the way you want. And I think you should really try to take it seriously, let's say, try to really like do a project that you are proud of and not just try to focus on grades, for example. I don't know about other parts of Europe, but here in Spain, after studying so many years of this typical education that you just have to do exams, pass, get good grades, go to the next level, I feel like people, when you go to uni, they're still stuck in that mentality somehow. And you really have to think a bit about yourself in the future. What are the abilities that you're going to need to develop independently of what grades you're going to get or... And also try to do like what you really enjoy. If you have the option to choose and all of that, try to do what you really enjoy. And I think that's the best way of also taking it seriously, you know, and trying to get the best out of it. Yeah. I wonder, why did you actually go to study at university? Was that because you wanted to develop your artistic skills? I'm probably wrong, but I would assume that you learn by yourself in your free time. And isn't that enough to work as a freelancer or get to the industry? Or does actually uni provide you with enough of knowledge or much more that it's actually helpful? Yeah. So actually, I listened to the first podcast you did, to the first episode. And I'm going to agree with Jacob. He said, like, you don't need to go to uni. I mean, at least for animation, it's true that you don't need to go to uni. It's not like you're going to be a doctor. But also, going back to the context here in Spain, uni has become like very democratized. Everybody goes to uni, basically. A lot of people go to uni. And honestly, like when you just go out of high school, you don't really see many alternatives, you know? I mean, if you can't go to uni because you don't have enough grades, then yeah, you're probably going to have to look for something else to do or to a longer path to uni doing these technical studies. But if you do all right in class and your grades are not bad, you're probably going to end up going to uni because it's like what everybody does. In my case, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't think I made a bad choice because I really don't know what would have been the alternative. And now it's easy to think when you are already like in your late 20s or something, mid-20s. I don't know. I mean, I'm somewhere there. It's easy to think independently of how to do this online course and gain this skill and this and that and how to approach people that are already working here through on social media or something. But when you are 18 and you have done nothing, it's really hard to feel like, no, I'm not going to go to uni. I'm just going to stay home and I'm going to like draw, you know? So yeah, I mean, I really don't regret going to uni, but it's not necessary, you know? If someone feels that they're going to do better at home, I would say just give it a try, you know? There's also like this ability that you develop when you're by your own that is just being independent. Like you have to see what works for you and also like you are honest with yourself. You don't have anyone behind you pushing you to finish work or anything. And then you're going to find out if you really like to do it or not. Or if you just were there because you had to do something. That also a lot of people go to uni just because, you know, you have to go to uni, but they're not really sure if it's going to be good for them or not. Yeah, I definitely agree because that's something I was curious about. If it's similar as in film, because to become a filmmaker, obviously you don't need to go to uni, but it gives you great advantages. You learn stuff, you meet people, you develop and build your network. It helps you to develop the right mindset and stuff. So I see that with animation, it's similar to that. Yeah, we also have to like make the point that people are 18 when they have to go to uni and they have probably never made a decision like that in their lives. So... A good advice, I think, it would be to do a lot of research, as much research as you can, but not about the uni itself, because uni is going to be four years, but about the job that you want to do, or just lifestyle that you want to have, or something like that, not necessarily only about the job. But if you want to study animation, I would say do some research about how the animation industry works, or what is the day-to-day -day of animator, let's say. And if you like that, then you can probably like choose different 
paths to get there. You know, university, maybe studying something more technical, maybe just by yourself. But at least you know you are like more sure that it's going to be worth in the end. Yeah, I definitely agree. And also I think a good point is that you can start uni and you can find out after a few months that it's not for you and just finish. And there is nothing wrong with that. But it's a good thing to at least give it a try to find out because it's better than not to do it at all. And then years after, you may be regretting that you haven't tried. This way, you at least give it a try. You find out that you just find a different path because for everyone works something different. So, yeah, I agree. You know, you meet a lot of people that have started uni and they have they didn't like their degree, they changed it, something, you know, like on the big picture, it's not going to be a difference. When you are 50 and you have either 20 or 18 years of experience or something, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I think it's really, really important to, if you, before you can choose that, you have to make the decision. You do like the research and you uh, try to find out like the different jobs and stuff, think it's going to be better for you. Like I had like very different options when I was going to uni. I was either going to do fine arts or psychology, philosophy, physical mm -hmm. education, you know, like sports science, or I think also computer science. Just a quick one. If you enjoy our podcast, please give us a review on your favorite podcast app, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit the show notes. Thank you and back to the show. So why did you decide for this career path? For the career path of, you mean going to uni and then animation or just because I wanted to be an animator? Because you had, as you said, so many options. Why did you go for animation? Was it simply because you wanted to become animator? Yeah, so... I remember I actually went to university. I think a friend of a friend of my dad was studying there, you know? And I just went there one afternoon. The guy looked like stereotypical fine arts student, long beard, long hair. He actually showed me like a project that he was working on. It was like a short film, you know, like animation short film. And that was like a plus for me. I like the vibes that this place gave me, you know, like this thing, like you go here and you're going to do the project that you want to do. You're just gonna learn how to do things by doing things, which is true, like at least in fine arts. It also goes like it's more theoretical in Valencia than in London, but it's still very practical, of course. And also because before going to uni, I was like a fan of independent animation. I was watching like people on YouTube posting their own stuff, and it was really calling for me the fact that they were able to do everything in their house. There are a lot of animators that you are probably gonna meet that are this kind of, you know, Disney slash Pixar fans. They dream about working in Disney or working in Pixar. Where me, on the other hand, I really was looking like forward to just doing some independent animation, let's say. I just really liked the topics that were artistic, crazy short films. And I also decided to go to Middlesex because I also found about it because there was a festival. Well, there's still an animation festival in the University of Valencia called Prime Animation, in which you have films from students. So... A lot of people from everywhere in the world, if you are studying animation, you have a short film, you can send it to that festival and it gets screened in the university. I don't think I went there before starting to study, but you know, also seeing that there's this animation movement which students are just like sharing what they do, the short films and stuff, it's also like a really great environment, I think. It pushes you further to that you want to study, to do that even more. Yeah, sounds like a great first impression that it made on you. So when you finished your education, can you tell us how you planned your way into the industry? How did you look that... for your work yeah. or maybe you already were working? Completely unplanned, of course. <laughs> 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 Left for the last minute. Yeah. No, I mean, I knew I wanted to work as an animator, of course. Actually, also going to University in Valencia is like a safe path because if you don't want to be an animator halfway, you can just change and be an illustrator. You can study something different. You can choose different subjects. And I knew that I wanted to be an animator then also. I started actually doing animation in my third year of uni. When I went to London was the first time that I actually did animation. Third and fourth year, I was already super deep into animation. I liked it before. And then when I did the process, I really liked it too. So that was like a big thing for people. A lot of people try animation because they really like animation, you know. Everybody likes animation nowadays. But doing it is very different from watching it, okay? There's actually like this meme. That is a happy face saying, oh yeah, thinking about animation. And then, you know, the same woman crying, actually doing animation. <laughs> you have to be very patient, you know. I think people go with expectations to have really fast results or really cool stuff. And you have to be many hours. 
but I really like the process, you know, I'm like just being on my computer working, listening to music and stuff. So, and sorry, when I interrupt, but do you draw animation in software on computer or by hand or what's actually the process you do just to get an idea? On software, on software. Um, I mean, in middle stage, we started doing some traditional animation. But I think that process nowadays is, I don't think there's almost anybody that still uses it professionally. So it's just done on a software. You have like many different softwares. You have After Effects, you have Animate, Toon Boom, TV Paint, all these different softwares. And yeah, when I finished my fourth year at university, I was like, on one hand, I was sure I didn't want to study anymore because I didn't live with like a very happy idea about university. I just felt that like it was my time to be just on my own, let's say. And then I spent like, I think it was two years working on my short film. And I was also like working on other stuff. Very rarely. Most of the time I was just working on my short film. And instead of doing like a master's or something, I just rented a spot on a co-working place in Valencia, which I think was a good idea too, because I met a lot of different artists there, like graffiti people, illustrators and stuff. And people that don't, I would have never met if I would have just stayed at uni. And I was mostly working on my short film, you know, which I didn't finish. So oh, another two years lost. So the thing is that it was taking me a super long time to finish it because I was super big perfectionist. Honestly, it wasn't because I didn't work hard because I literally go into the place every day and just spend there eight, nine hours working on my own stuff. And I have really, really happy memories of that freedom. I was also working, you know, I was also like doing some freelance stuff, mostly doing some banners, so like more illustration. You know, on one hand, I also felt like I didn't have the necessary ability to start working in the industry, you know? I didn't feel like confident enough. So that plus wanting to do my project, it was keeping me from starting to look for jobs. And actually, when I started to look for jobs, I just got jobs right away. I started looking for jobs when I moved abroad with my girlfriend. She was doing like a practice, an internship, I think it was called, in another part of Europe. So I moved with her and to pay the room. This is funny. I started looking for jobs as a waitress or as a, something that doesn't have anything to do with animation just because I didn't feel like I had what it takes to start working as an animator. But then when I started actually looking for animation stuff, I started freelancing right away, you know? I think that was 2020. And was it because the place you moved to that it was easier to find a job there or because you were just underestimating yourself before? No, I mean, actually I got it. I was freelancing for a guy in the UK. I could have gotten that job if I stayed in Valencia too. I just didn't start. I mean, I don't regret it because I was really like enjoying my time and working on whatever I wanted to do. But I also had like a bit of a blog saying like I could have started working earlier for sure. It's also true that the work that I did when I was on my own, I think I did a really good animation, let's say, when I was just doing my stuff because I could spend like two weeks on doing a shot. So it's going to move right. It's going to look good, you know, so probably that also helped me to get other jobs. But as soon as I started just really looking for stuff, I started freelancing. So I started doing a job for three weeks, then two weeks that I also was doing my short film. Then I did like another job for one week, uh, for one month, and then I had a break of two weeks and stuff. But it really never got longer than one month. I kept like having stuff to do. And when I was already some months doing that, I was freelancing and applying to studios. So I progressively abandoned my short film, which I still have it there, you know. Was still not finished? finished? Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's still not finished. Yeah. But are you going to finish it one day? Yeah, now? I mean, I know I'm not finished it because I don't want to because I also do music. So on my free time, I prefer to be doing music than to keep doing animation after like working full time on it. But if I wanted, I will keep working on it. It's not because I can't really. But yeah, like... I was freelancing and applying for studios. I remember I almost got a job in this really cool studio in London. I remember like this time, you know, like where you're going to get like your first really cool job. And I was like so nervous. I had to do like three interviews. You know, it was a big process to get into it. And in the end, I didn't get in, you know. I still had work. And I think like around summer, I got a job in Dublin. Was it in different studio or freelancing? No, that was my first studio job. Was it online, so remote? So actually, well, also like information for if anyone wants to work as an animation in Ireland, they're really open to remote working. So in my case, I was working from home. Also because 
it was 2021, so not the best year. We were not back to normal 100%. So in Ireland, you can work remotely, but they usually want you to be inside the country. If you're going to be on a contract, you have to work from inside the country. So I was working like remotely inside my room, kind of like when I was freelancing, but I just was in another country, which was yeah. funny. It was like, I'm moving to another country, but I'm not actually working in a studio. I'm not actually working like surrounded by people. You know, I'm just like on my room again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and was it some well-known studio you can mention or not well-known? Yeah. Yeah. It was Cavalier. I don't think, I mean, I think people mostly know Cartoon Saloon in Ireland because it has gone to the Oscars and everything. So Cavalier is not such a big studio, but my experience there was amazing, you know, so... As I told you, I'm not Disney or Pixar fan, so I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm more valuable if I just work in a bigger studio or something like that, you know. I really like to work in a project that I like and have like really good conditions and I don't know how to say that, ambiente, you know, I would say in Spanish, but it would be like yeah, culture. a good environment to work. Yes, yeah. yes. So how long do you spend in that place? So in Ireland... I started like in summer and I think it was around eight or nine months that I worked there. I mean, I jumped in the middle of the production. They had already started the series, you know, when I jumped in. Can you remind uh, us what production was it? It was Boy, Girl, Dog, Cat, Mouse, Cheese. <laughs> so yeah, it's already out there if you want to watch it. I think it's available, I think it's on Netflix in places that you speak English or French. It's not mm -hmm. in Spain. Couldn't show it to my parents, but... So did you enjoy working on that series? Yeah, for being one of my first jobs, first, let's say, like, job on a contract, it was amazing. I felt super supported by, like, the whole team. I mean, a big pro of working animation industry, I think it's going to be hard to find people there that suck. Most of the people that are actually, you know, animators, production and stuff, that they are all great people, you know. They are like-minded, they are creative, they are sensitive, they have empathy. And they're fun, you know. We were doing like calls every day. A lot of times we were just getting to know each other because we were all from home. And that was like a really cool thing because you were working from home. But at the same time, you kind of felt like these people were your friends. So and then when you actually went to meet them, like, oh man, great to see you <laughs> yeah. with legs and everything. <laughs> You're actually the real person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, yeah. You know, like this 3D rendering model like looks really good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. And why did you finish in that place? Well, I mean, also, like, another thing on animation is that usually, like, there are, like, temporal contracts. You're working up in a production, and if you work in a big studio, they sometimes do move you from one place to the other, you know? You keep working on other productions. But if the studio is kind of small or medium-sized, they are usually, like, you are going to finish the job there when you finish the production. I don't know if people like this or they... You can like it, you can dislike it, but it's true that if you work in animation, you're probably going to be jumping from place to place quite often but then with experience from working here was it easier for you to find a job in a new place yeah actually like was really lucky because i found the job even before finishing the one in ireland ireland has great industry so before finishing my job in ireland i was already doing interviews to keep working in another studio in ireland and then i got a call i mean i was applying to everything on the internet and i got a call to work in a place in valencia because I was with my girlfriend, we kind of both made the decision that it would be cool to go back to Valencia. And yeah, yeah I decided and I just started working as an animator here at home. Actually, like the first time you know, after like being working like for, I think, more than a year. It's like the first time that I actually work as an animator in Valencia. And is it again in a company or as a freelancer? Yeah, I know in a company. I have mostly worked in companies ever since, I think. Working as a freelancer, probably you can get good stuff. But I feel like working for a company is just like more comfortable, safer, however you want to name it. Not 100% because after the production, you're going to like have to look for another job. But if you work for animation studios, that's probably how it's going to go, you know, for most of the people. So can you tell us more about your current job or even current company? So yeah, now working in Tomavision. That is like company, which I think is based in the Canary Islands. At least like, I don't know if they have two places, Barcelona and Canary Islands. It's like a Spanish company. They do 2D, they do 3D. And I'm 
working on a top secret project. <laughs> and can you mention, if you can say publicly, some credits you've got maybe for some previous shows or films you worked on? Yeah. So I worked on, well, I don't even want to think too much about the freelance stuff, cause like a bunch of things, just so you know. But about series, I worked in Boy and Girl. And then I worked on The Favorite Godparents, you know. They did like reboots. I think it's called a reboot. They did like a new series about the fairy odd parents, which is mixed with real people, you know, real actors. And I worked there on a very short time. They also worked on a Valencian series called Sex Symbols here in Valencia. On another series called Trazo Critico, that's also from Valencia. So they are like not well known at all, these two. And now on this one. When I was a freelancer, I did clean up for a film. It was like a animation version of The Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's probably all the stuff that I have worked on, except freelance stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, can you introduce us a bit more about the process, how we work as animator? Well, if you work in a studio, it's going to be like very specialized. So you get like some digital files from that someone has prepared for you. You animate those characters. And then you just upload them on some platform and you do it over and over again until the <laughs> and that's there's it. nobody until there's no animation to do and then you go home, you know, and <laughs> Okay. That was a brief. Yeah, I mean it's very simple if you think it that way. But depending on the production, the process is very different, you know, it's not the same. I've mostly worked on cutout animation so far. What does it mean? I mean, I'm a 2D animator. Actually, I don't know if I have even mentioned it. I do like, let's say, cartoons. I have tried doing 3D. I actually was learning last summer, but I haven't worked on that. Is that because 2D interests you more or? Yeah, yeah. I really love drawing, you know, and painting and stuff. So like natural move was to go for 2D films. I also like more the aesthetic. I'm just more attached to the drawing, let's say. And on cutout to the animation is basically having like a puppet. It's like a digital puppet. And you can basically like move his arm, you can move his head, and you can replace different parts of the body. And this is way faster than if you actually had to redraw the puppet all the time. Because you don't have to worry about the head being too big or things going out of proportion. And it's like a thousand times faster. So cutout animation, I've done it with Flash, uh, now Animate, and Toon Boom, which are like the two main softwares for this. But yeah, it's basically like you have a digital puppet. I mean, they actually give you the scene. You have the background there and you have the characters, but the characters are not moving, you know? So you actually have to move the characters. You have to make them talk with the audio file that is attached in the file. So you do the lip sync, you do the animation, the acting and the stuff. Make it all like move really nicely and smooth. And then you just like upload it. So the, another part of the production would be like post-processing, you know, they add some effects, shadows or something on the characters. And that would be cut out mostly doesn't change too much if you work from Flash or Toon Boom. It changes the software. It's like very different approach, but the basic of it is the same. You just yeah. move different parts and you replace, for example, the hands usually replace them, you know? So you have 20 different hands of the character and you can select the hand that is like closed fist if he, you want to make him angry or like an open hand if he's like saying like this or that. Where if you do like, I think they call it traditional now. It would be like drawing animation. You basically just draw on the computer someone also prepares the scene for you even though when I where I worked before it was such a small team that we were basically doing everything ourselves I really like that like working in a small studio is also like really cool when you can try different roles and like someone who is doing layout then starts animating and stuff and you can really like learn different skills there yeah like explore different things yeah yeah and yeah when you are drawing it it's just like basically the same as when you're drawing on Photoshop, I guess. I mean, I guess you have drawn on Photoshop and all the digital software. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you have like a timeline and, you know, when you move through this timeline, like the drawings are moving. So that would be like the two different ways of animating into the animation, I think. Yeah. And how much freedom do you have when it comes to the animation process? Creative freedom. Because I wonder, for example, you said to describe character as someone who is angry, so you animate, let's say, hands or his movements. Does someone give you direction what to do, or you know by yourself, or you got some kind of freedom, and then someone gives you feedback on that? Yeah. So 
one of the things that you are 100% going to get if you start working as an animator is storyboard. Every different file is going to be like a different shot of that storyboard. So on the storyboard, you have the basic indications of what the characters are doing, where they are positioned, the composition and everything, you know. So you start with that. You have that as an idea of how to move. And first you do like a blocking phase in which you are going to just hit the basic poses. If the character is going to like jump, probably you're just going to do first like the pose in where he's going down to jump. And then another position when in which he is up jumping. And then like another one in which he has already fallen back. So that would be like a blocking phase. Usually you have like a lead or someone who supervises your work who's going to check that blocking phase, going to give you some adjustments or some corrections, and then you move into animation. And in terms of creativity, I personally don't think you have that much creativity. You have like one way of doing things. They probably have this idea of how the characters want to move or there's more freedom. You can like really tell from one animator to the other who has animated that scene. But if you try to do something that is like too much outside of the box, of course they're going to call it because like, you have to remember that that project already has someone who is putting the creative vision, you know, mm-hmm. who is deciding how the characters are going to do this or that. So if all the animators will be able to do whatever they wanted to, you know, with the files, it will look pretty much chaotic, I think. So I understand it, but I don't really think there's a lot of creative freedom. I mean, depends on what you want, of course. On the acting, you have freedom. You don't have to follow the storyboard 100%, especially if you make it better. But if you want to be like too creative, chances are that most of the time you're going to get the work back because you just decided to do something like too creative and the director just thought that let's stick with what's in the storyboard. And time is a big constraint when you are working on on animation, especially on TV series, I think. I think it depends on the production, but you don't really want to get too creative and spend too much time thinking about things and about the meaning of this and that because if you don't get it right, you're going to have to redo it. And you are to try to be like very time efficient when you're working on animation. Yeah. As you said, you are not a big fan, let's say, of big studios such as Pixar or Disney. Can you say what is then your favorite animation? Have you got either a favorite studio or favorite film or characters or type of animation so that we can get the idea? So, I don't know, just to name like random stuff, but I really like David Firth, the creator of Salad Fingers. I don't know if you have seen any of that. He's a guy who started doing animation on the early times of YouTube and he had just so many short films that are like dark, surreal. The first ones are really badly animated. And the guy just got away with that. He made like a huge following, you know, for such a dark and weird stuff. I also like uh, Felix Colgrave, which is another animator from Australia. And he also does his own short films, uploads them on YouTube. I remember like when I started, before uni, I was just watching this short film. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I love doing music too. So for me, animation is like, man, I can draw, I can record the music, I can make the sounds. It's like this medium in which I felt like I could do everything, you know? Basically, if I was a millionaire or something, I would be doing like my own short films somewhere in the mountains. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. In, a, in a cave, just doing my own stuff because it just feels like, it feels amazing. I'm glad you asked me because like sometimes it's hard to remember why you started doing this in the sense that you just go day by day It's like a very creative job, let's say, but it's still a job, so you kind of lose track of why you started doing this. Other examples, like really fast, would be Late Night Work Club. It was like a collective of different animators that have done stuff, and like almost everyone that has added a short film in the collection has great work. I'm also like a big fan of student films, where they do like some crazy student films from Tallinn, you know, from the Estonian University or something like that. I usually really like it. Yeah, yeah. I googled those you mentioned, for example, Felix Colgrave, and I think it's worth googling for the audience because the animation is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And he does everything, you know, like he does the sounds. I mean, I think on the late films, he does even like all the sounds. He does the sounds, he does all the animation. It takes like a long time, you know. I don't know if he said that like, it takes him like around one minute of animation every month. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Because you have to do everything by yourself. And maybe he's also mentioning like drawing the backgrounds or whatever. Also another fun thing about him, you know, like just showing that I'm a huge nerd here. 
he does a lot of his short films, he starts with the first scene, and then he animates the second one, and then he animates the third one, but he doesn't really have a plan of what's going to happen next. He's really, like, making the film while thinking about it. I think that's, like, a cool thing if you want to keep it just interesting for yourself, because just imagine that if you do it like a studio, you really have to spend, like, months just planning everything, and then when you have everything planned, you know what's going to happen, you know, on mm -hmm. every part. Then you actually have to do it, and it's like... I'm not interested anymore. You know, I feel like this is over for me. But still, you don't have anything because you have written the script, maybe done the storyboards. No, it's just like interesting process. And people have different approaches. And if it works for someone, why not? Yeah. Especially if you are on your own, you know, like you don't have to coordinate a big team of people. Yeah, I agree. Well, before we finish, Alvaro, do you want people to follow you somewhere? Or do you want to share any links or social media of you? Yeah, I mean, I have, if you do my name and surname, which are really unique because my surname is German and my name is Spanish. So <laughs> I'm probably like, the only person on earth with that name and surname. <laughs> so if you just Google me, you will find me. I have Instagram. I even have like a Tumblr that I use as a portfolio, you know. I'm not really big on social media. So it's not like I'm going to be posting there every day or something, you know. But if anyone is just curious about I. You can just Google me and you will find me, you know? And just, yeah, but might be good for inspiration. And if it interests someone, maybe we'll get some following. You never know. Yeah, that's good. Cool. I will add the links in the show notes if anyone wanted to have a look. So I would finish it for today. I would be happy to catch up anytime in the future for another part. And Absolutely. are there any final notes that you would like to add? I also do music anyone is interested in that too I have a band called Family Gringo and another one called Malmono two music groups yeah yeah and music bands I mean that's basically where all my creativity is going like in the last years as I told you like I work as a full time animator and if I had to also do my own short films I would literally be spending like 14 hours or 12 hours in front of the computer which I still do because I also do music in the computer but at least it's a different thing you know Music may be a good topic for uh, next part we do in the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I guess I'm not as pro in music as I am in animation. You know? But yeah, I think it's very, very important to keep creative, especially like if you have studied fine arts, you're probably a creative person, you like to do stuff. It's very important, I think, to try to just do something creative, you know? I mean, even if you are working as something that doesn't have like a lot of creativity or not necessarily animation, but if you're working as something random, just try to find time to do creative stuff. At least for me, it's like what really makes the difference, like what I'm really looking forward. That's this complete freedom of doing whatever you want. And yeah, it just feels great, I think. Yep, I can only agree with you. I think that's a great point to finish for today. So, Alvaro, thank you so much for your time. It was great to find out more about animation and to have a chat with you. And as I said, we'll be happy to catch up in the future again. Well, thank you, Thomas, for inviting me. And if anyone has any further doubts, I am on LinkedIn. I think there you can find my email or you can just like drop me a message on, I don't really use Instagram, so probably I won't read them. But if you send me like an email or something. Yeah. And I will put it in the show notes as I said. Okay. Cool. So thank you so much, Alvaro, and good luck in your career in the meantime. Thank you, Thomas, and good luck with the podcast. I think it's like an amazing project. And also, I think it has to do with like being creative on your free time. And see you around. Thank you for listening to Produced By. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app, leave a review, or send us your feedback. For more information about the host, links from the episode, and ways to connect with us, visit the show notes. If you know someone who would be an ideal guest for our podcast, please get in touch. Thank you, and see you soon.